I thought we were going to do uh, what you need to know real quick, but uh, I guess not. So anyway, Cappy, are you ready? We're going to talk to Shakur Stevenson here in a second. Again, Shakur Stevenson is going to fight uh, Oscar Valdez. And Shakur, I think, is uh, one of the greatest fighters uh, we have in the sport at the moment. He's a champion in two different weight classes. This kid is the real deal. And I, I remember talking to Max Kettleman, I don't know, maybe like a year or so ago. Um, and I asked him, like, who's the guy that he loves to watch? And he had a very short list, and Shakur was one of them. Well, is he ready to go? Because I'm ready to talk to him. Yeah, let's do it. So Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez, fight coming up here pretty soon, of course. Uh, you can check it out on ESPN Plus and on pay-per-view. Uh, so, Shakur, thank you so much for joining us, man. Appreciate the time. All right, so I, I got to start right here. I-, I mean, listen, this is the fight you've been wanting uh, and asking for, uh, but Valdez didn't want to do it at 126. Are you surprised he's doing it at all at 130? Um, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised, but I think, uh, Tommen played a part in it. Um, I, I really don't believe that he really wanted this fight. I feel like it's more so his team kind of pushing the fight on him, but, um, you know, we here now, I can't even keep talking about him not wanting to win in the fight at the end of the day because the fight is made and we're getting ready to fight and Saturday we're going to see what was everything about. All right, so I'm going to ask because um, I just don't think everybody really understands, and I'm not sure I do either. What is the big difference between four pounds at 126 versus 130? The big difference? Um, I think that, honestly, I think he made a mistake when it comes down to that. I feel like if he had fought me at 126, I wasn't as experienced as I am right now. and I think that he had a better chance trying to get me at that time. I think around this time, I'm 24 years old. I'm bigger, stronger. And uh, I think this this a bad time for him. This was a, a mistake on him and his team waiting so long. But it may or not have been a mistake when it comes down to the money-wise. So he probably business-wise made the, the right decision by making making me wait. I got you. So it's not about the weight. It's not about the four pounds. It's about the experience, your size, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just the four pounds we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, All right. I got you. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I got you. All right. Cool, man. Shakur Stevenson with us here, of course. You know, champion in two different weight classes. One of the most electrifying boxers in the world. Again, the fight against Oscar Valdez will take place Saturday. Uh, main card will begin at 7 o'clock our time here. The event will start around 3.30. And uh, we're hoping that the main event is around 9 o'clock between Oscar and Shakur. Uh, now, let me ask you this. Because I had read some stuff where Valdez, uh, you know, tested positive for some uh, some substance before his last fight, and he blamed it on on the tea that he was drinking. Uh, and I, I feel like you have had uh, some issues, uh, let's call it, with that. Yeah, I just don't uh, think that it was the tea. Um, I think it was more so him. Uh, he probably was cheating, honestly. Um, I feel like he got caught cheating. He's a cheater, but um, you know, uh, I, like I said, I, I disagree with everything he said. Shakur, I want to ask you about. You said you're 24 years old. When did you start boxing? Uh, I started boxing when I was five. Come on, really? Five years old? Yeah, I had my first fight at eight. That was the age I was able to have my first fight. I would have had it earlier if I could have. 
Wow. And how many amateur fights before the Olympics and a silver medal and, and before you turn pro? How many total fights before you turn pro? I would say almost like 200. Almost okay. 200. Wow. Almost 200 fights. And you have any idea what your record was in those 200 fights? I think I only had like 13 losses. Wow, dude. That's amazing. What motivates a kid, especially five years old, eight years old, what makes a kid want to get into boxing, at least from your experience? I, I feel when I first got into it, it was more so like it was cool. Like it was something cool to do just to be able to know how to fight and throw your hands. And uh, just seeing other boxers, like, you know, when they, when I see them and I, they knew how to fight, uh, I definitely wanted to get into it and try it out. And for me, it was just, you know, we was married to each other. Now, let me ask you this, because I know that, you know, during your training here, you've been, you know, I know Bud Crawford has been there at your camp at times. What has that been like to have someone like Terrence Crawford there with you? Uh, it's definitely a push. Um, Bud come to my training camp and he pushed me. Um, he pushed me to the next level and me and him sparred and he gave me rounds where I can go to the next level and be prepared for Valdez. And I know for a fact, like, if I go in there with Bud Crawford, um, I shouldn't be worried about no Oscar Valdez because them, it's two different levels. Like, it's a whole different level at that. Do you prefer in a fight, now it's 17-0 and facing another guy who's undefeated as well, do you prefer the knockout or some fighters like to take guys into deep waters and really like to work them for a long time and make them, I mean, just really, really suffer through the fight? So I'm wondering... Which do you prefer, knockout or deep waters? I mean, you don't get paid for overtime, so I prefer the knockout. But um, I'm one of them fighters. I'm not, I'm not one of them dudes who go in there looking for a knockout. When you go in there looking for a knockout, uh, like Teofimo done with Cambosis, um, you end up losing or you end up getting beat and getting caught with shots that you don't see coming just because you're looking for a knockout. So. I'm looking to go in there, and I'm prepared for a 12-round fight. Um, if I see something that I can capitalize off and uh, catch him lacking, I'm going I'm to catch him lacking. Shakur Stevenson with us here. Stevenson and Valdez this Saturday on ESPN. Uh, main card begins at 7 o'clock on ESPN television. Of course, the prelims will begin on ESPN+. Plus uh, As well, you can find it there. Now, it's interesting that, that you discuss that because, I, if I recall correctly, there was – some criticism before the Herring fight that, you know, that you were just, you know, you were, you were just taking guys to school, taking them into the deep waters. As Cap said, it wasn't as exciting as it could have been. Was that the, were you able to, did you hear the criticism, I guess, for lack of a better phrase? Yeah, I heard some of it, but you got to realize, um, it don't move me because, uh, I just had like an off night, one of them nights, but every other fight I'd usually beat people up. So, I didn't really <laughs> care about anything that anybody had to say. You know, everybody everybody had one off night. If you watch LeBron, Jordan, the greats, everybody have an off night um, every now and then. So I can't sit back and act like, you know, um, that I care what anybody got to say because um, people going to say whatever they want. One minute they said I was boring and not a, uh, not a good fighter. I'm boring, this, that, and the third. And then I go beat Jamel up and they say, Oh, he's the superstar of the sport. He's not boring. So, you know, you can't take what anybody got to say to heart because at the end of the day, people are going to say whatever they want regardless. After I beat Valdez, they're going to come up with an excuse why I beat him. 
Um, they were probably going to say he was too small. or they always going to find something to say regardless, so I really don't care what anybody got to say. You were talking earlier, Shakur, about maybe catching somebody when they make a mistake. When I watch pro boxing, everything seems to happen so fast. Can you possibly describe what it's like to be in a fight and be able to see what's coming at you and counteract so that you can catch somebody when they make a mistake? Is there any way to describe that to those of us who have never been in a boxing ring? I mean, I feel like that's the thrill of it. Like, you get a thrill out of that um, catching somebody um, when they make a mistake. And that's one thing he keeps saying that he's going to try to do with me. So I'm going to make sure I don't let that happen. But it's definitely like a thrill into that because once you hurt them, um, with somebody like me, it's over. Like, it's going to be hard for you to get out of there if I hurt you really bad. I don't care who you are. I'm going for the kill. So uh, I'm, I'm ready, man. I'm ready to fight, man. Shakur Stevenson against Oscar Valdez this Saturday on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Now, listen, Shakur, I know that I, that you've been, you know, had Bud in your in your training camp, Bud Crawford. Uh, he's had Oscar Valdez has had Canelo in his training camp. Now, I love you. I've been talking about you forever, Max. I don't know if you heard me earlier. I was talking to Max Kellerman about you last year, like how how great you are. He had you on his kind of top two or three list of guys that he loved to watch each and every time out. Now, this guy, my partner here, Scott. He's like best friends with Canelo. Don't be listening to this guy, man. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. He could be best friends with Canelo. Uh, I'm a Canelo fan myself, so uh, I don't take no hard feelings to that. You got to realize Canelo is one of the greatest boxers of, our, of my era. So at the end of the day, um, I respect Canelo. I don't got nothing bad to say about Canelo. So uh, Canelo just, you know, he, he's helping Valdez best to his ability, but he, he can't um, fight for Valdez at the end of the day. Hey, Shakur, yeah. usually most fighters have, like, a story of some street scraps. Um, I know you were born in Newark, New Jersey. Did you grow up there as well? Yes. You still live in Newark? No, nah, I live in Houston now. Got it. Newark's got a reputation for being kind of a tough town. Um, did you ever have, like, as a little kid where somebody didn't realize? I mean, he just were... told you he's been fighting since he was five. Yeah, well, wait a second. He's talking about all these fights that he's been in that have been sanctioned fight. 200 fights. I'm ta- That's headgear and mouthpieces and heavy gloves and whatever. I'm talking about street scraps. Anything ever come up where somebody doesn't realize that they're messing with the wrong guy? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I definitely done had uh, some fights in school and all that kind of stuff, but um, a lot of the time, like, as I got older, a lot of people knew that I boxed, and they didn't really want to try me just because of the fact that um, I was a boxer, but I had a couple of fights, a couple of little run-ins, and, you know, I won most of them. I, I only <laughs> lost one fight before. You only lost one fight before? You mean, like, you only lost one fight that wasn't a boxing match? Yeah, I lost uh, a fight to this kid that was a lot bigger and older than me, but he was trying to, like, bully, like, everybody that was with me. And he kind of, uh, when he was in the bully mode, he was bullying them. But I, I'm not nobody that's going to get bullied. So I wasn't taking So Whoa, uh, okay. he turned his back. He turned his back. I let him get away with what he said to me. But he had, like, turned his back. And when he turned his back, I snuck him. And I was, like, after I snuck him, I'm over there, like, celebrating, like, shit. Like, I'm looking at everybody oh. like, yo, how y'all let him bully y'all? Like, what's wrong with y'all? And I turned around and he just rushed me and he used his size on me. So that's the only time I ever lost. 
Well, Shakur, man, we know you're not going to lose this week, or at least I don't believe that's the case. Story, I got my money man. on you. I got my money on you this weekend. Now, Scott, I'm going to put you on, on the spot because I know – and actually, he's not really friends with Canelo. He just hung out with him one time, and he swears he's best friends with now him. Now we're best friends. Um, it's true. Yeah. yeah I, so, do you, <laughs> that's a great laugh. Um, now, who are you picking, Scott? Are you picking Shakur because it's the right thing to do? Or are you going to pick Valdez because you want to, sh- you know, chummy up to Canelo? No, I'm, I'm picking Shakur because he's here right now. Oh, look at that. You see, at least you're honest. You're not being a phony. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sh- Shakur, best of luck to you, man. Thank you for taking the time with us. Always appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon and hopefully after a, a win, okay? All right, thank you. All right, dude, you got to be a regular around here. We got to have that guy back. Yeah. Although he he made Laura panic because he cursed twice. Yeah. I got one. I mean, I got both, but you know, he's a fighter, dude. Yeah. You know, fight. That's the way people really talk. And you know what happens, George? Is everybody gets so comfortable on the show they forget they're on the air. No. Yeah. For sure. I thought you were going to play up the Canelo thing a little more. No, I didn't want to tell him. You disappointed me. Yeah, I didn't. I thought like that. I thought that was ready for you to go full cap on him. No, 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 no. I, you know, when we talk to guys like this that I don't know that the average sports fan like is super hyper familiar with, I like to get a little bit more into the story. Everybody knows boxing in L.A. I don't know. It's a big fight, Cap. I'm not suggesting it's not a big fight. It's a huge fight, and this is L.A. People love the fight game here, man. As do I. As do I. I think he's quite a, quite an interesting personality. Twenty four years old, you know. No question about it. I think he's the most. I think he's the most entertaining boxer, pound for pound. Uh, you know, under the age of twenty five. Like I don't think to me, it's not even close. It's him. So. Well, I think I'm going to be watching on Saturday night after that conversation. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to break. Coming up next. I am a little disappointed you didn't go all cappy on him. I was expecting you to chummy up to him just like you did Canelo. I mean, Cap- oh, I definitely felt like I chummied up to him. I mean, he laughed when I did the jokes about you. Like he, he was like, his laugh was very was funny. Fantastic. We need to like pull that laugh because that was that yeah. was a that was the funny laugh, laugh was great. Yes, the <laughs> laugh was great. Uh, all right, <laughs> coming up next, Sean McVay and company finally giving us the plan. We'll tell you what that's about in just a moment. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Lowry's in Beverly Hills. Phenomenal. It's a great prime rib. And a really good cream corn kind of side dish. I'm not really a big prime rib eater, though. Maybe at a bar mitzvah. Uh, I feel like prime rib is like a banquets type thing. Yes. Right, right. For the most part. Yeah. But Lowry's, when they bring it to you and they just do the whole thing right there at the table, very nice. Classy. Yeah, I don't really do a lot of prime rib. No, nor do I. Nor do I. I was only there a couple times, but it was a friend of mine's dad came to town. He's like, oh, let's get a prime rib. I'm like, yeah, really? We went to Lowry's. I'm like, damn, this place is bomb. So I always think of it as just like this spice company. You know what I mean? No? Nobody knows what I mean? <laughs> yes, it has the spices. Yes, I know. 
Um, so, anywho, thanks to Shakur Stevenson. Um, How can we bet the Juliana, fight? It's minus 700. Shakur Stevenson is a favorite right now. Really? Big favorite. Yeah. Minus 700? Yeah. Hmm. How would you bet it? I mean, I, I, would, I don't like to bet odds that big. So I mean, it's no a point. huge. Yeah, I mean, but if you're asking who's winning the fight, I think Shakur Stevenson's winning the fight fairly easily. Me you too. You got on the round cap. You got to do like knockout blank round. That's how I you know. win money. I know, but I learned, I, I'm telling you guys, I was at that Canelo fight last year. Canelo told everybody, he was like, dude, eighth round. Eighth yeah, round, I'll knock him out. I'm telling you that, though. I'll give you, like, you know, I get, I get my boxing tips and the betting tips from uh, Kevin Ioli, who mm-hmm. uh, covers boxing for Yahoo Sports. Mm-hmm. Never, never steered me wrong. Yeah. He's fantastic. Well, Won me a lot of money. I was just wait I was just hoping Canelo would let it last till the eighth round. And then once we got through the seventh, I'm like, oh, we're gonna win a lot of money. We're going to Hawaii, you know, and then the eighth round came and went and there went all of our money. <laughs> you know. So Linz, we're supposed to have Juliana Pena on next week, right? From the yeah, UFC. I think we're gonna we're gonna try and get her on Tuesday because she's she's probably gonna win her fight against Amanda Nunes. I'm well, I think she's gonna happen until the summer sure. though, those two, right? Oh uh, yeah. Um, I like Juliana Pena. Um, I think she's a very she's really interesting too. I think so. I'd be I'm very interested in talking to her next week. So, do you know Juliana Pena? Kaplan? Not really. I'll be honest with you. No, not really. No, no like like Sean McVay. No, not really. Yeah. Speaking of Sean McVay, you should get to know her. She's very interesting. Well, I'm You're looking at her right now because you know why, Lindsay? I was able to Google her. Oh, good, good job, Cap. You learned how to use the Google machine. Yep, good it's job. pretty interesting. So, this is nice new speak, technology. Speaking of Sean McVay, uh, he talked today about the Rams draft plan, and he said, quote, the, we want players that fit within our culture. And it got me thinking about the notion of best fit versus best available, right? Everyone always screams, it's got to be one or the other. I don't think it's that simple. He, here's my theory on this, Cap, particularly with football teams. I think that if you're a specific kind of team, okay, like the Rams in this instance, who has eschewed all their first-round picks for proven commodities, the way that they've been able to hit on 28 guys on their roster in the lower rounds that have stuck is because they know exactly what kind of players fit within their scheme and their culture, and all those things. So I think for a team like the Rams, it makes sense to go with fit because they're good, and they know they know they can't miss, right? Um, whereas if you try to take someone just based on talent, and I'm not talking about just the first round because the first round there's a lot of talent. Like these, you know, the, the, the miss rate on the first round is, is like, I think it's like 60-40 now, like 60 hit, 40 miss, or whatever it is. Um, but... Once you get into those later rounds, it's way smaller. <laughs> like, you know, you're talking fourth, fifth rounds, like 20% chance, maybe 10% chance that you hit on a guy. So you got to f- make sure that the person you're taking is someone that you think can absolutely fit your scheme and, and fit your culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you're a bad team, like if you're the Jaguars, you just need talent because you stink. So, like, I don't have a problem with the Jaguars or the Lions or a bad team just taking best player available because they don't have a culture yet. <laughs> Their culture is losing, and that's not what you want. Yeah, so, you know, George, we'll be on Friday out at the Rams draft house, 
And uh, depending on what your status is going to be, me, you, DeMarco, we're all going to be out there on Friday, and we'll be close and able to touch it as, you know, the Rams will draft not until – What are we touching? Well, the draft. We'll be able to, like, you know, we're going to war room kind of stuff here. You know I mean? No, we're not going to be in the war room. Dude, it's it's like a seven-bedroom house. One room is probably like the family room or the dining room is probably like the war room. You know? You think they're going to let you and me in the war room? Why not? Oh, my God. What's the big deal? They're not drafting. Listen, there's no big surprise. The Rams aren't making some move to draft into the first round. You think they're going to trust you? And me, you well, mostly. Maybe we're, not we're, you, but me. I mean, because maybe they'll ask me, like, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, Sean and I are cool. I mean, he, you know, I don't think he knows you like that. Well, Les and I are cool. I don't think he knows you like that. I mean, maybe not, but, you know. All I'm saying is this. I mean, it's Hollywood Hills. It's more McVeigh than, than, than Sneed, let's be real. Well, they say that Aaron Donald has just bought a house, $17 million house. Now it sounds more Aaron Donald. Did you happen to see uh, that, by, by the, the way, way? Morales has checked this. Is you're outside next to the pool overlooking the Hollywood Hills. You're not going to be in the war room. No, 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 no. That is where the broadcast location is. Yeah. But at a commercial break, assuming it's longer not, than 30 no, seconds. They're, they're not going to let you in. Aaron Donald is not going to let you in. How about that? If anybody's going to let me in, it's going to be Aaron Donald. Yes, hail to pitch. pitch. That's right. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. My brother. Listen, here's the thing about what you're saying about the Rams and their ability to draft. You know, when you get down into players, you know, call it 100 and beyond, you may not have much on that guy. You didn't bring him in. You didn't work him out. You didn't necessarily interview them, et cetera. You know, you, you, you know their college career. You've got a scouting report. When you talk about a player fitting a culture, it's not necessarily um, what position does he play and is he the best available athlete on the board. It's, hey, we need a guy who can be a second-string cornerback, but can also run down and cover on punts, can run down and cover on kickoff return, has maybe done some punt return uh, in his career. I mean, somebody who can help us in a lot of different ways because we have that luxury of filling the back end of our roster with young, inexpensive players. So fitting our culture could mean a lot of different things, but to me it means somebody who can do a lot for us because that player showed us in college the kind of player he is, not just purely a superstar wide receiver from USC or Ohio State. So I really understand this, which is why, again, George, I believe I will be invited into the war room. Because I understand the Rams' culture yeah, on many levels, from a football operations standpoint, as well as a community Right, you understand the Rams' culture so much. They shouldn't let you in just for all you th- stuff you said about Stafford at the beginning of the season. Well, maybe they should let me in because maybe I motivated Stafford. Yes. No, no, definitely not. Yes, perhaps. I'm the only one around here when they lost three in a row. You were completely off the bandwagon. Even the Ramley guy over there, Mason, at uh, you know, on Mason in Ireland, he jumped off the ship. I mean, it was me and nobody else. Me and, like, uh, what's the name of the mascot? Rampage. Rampage. That's who was left on the nah, ship. Me and I Rampage. think Rampage jumped off. I think he jumped no, no, off, no, too. No, no, no. Never, never, never. He did not. No, I did. Wait I a mean, second. Now you defend things. Rampage. You're in a one-year I relationship. Love, I love Rampage. I've always loved him yeah. and Bailey. I've always said this. Even Rampage before. has been in studio with me. Thugness. Yeah. Thugness. And by the way, you don't want that suit, that, that, that Rampage suit getting wet, you know? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this right now, George. I'm going to be at the Rams draft house now. Um, the show's going on the air at 4, 
And our boss, Amanda, said, I suggest you be there by at least three. Right. And you want to be there by like one. To yeah, go one to o'clock. Pool. One o'clock. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I want to snoop around the house like a dog. You know, like, <sighs> you want to walk such around. You're a lawyer. Don't you think this is interesting? I mean, it's just a house, man. It's fine. It's a nice house that the Rams so have what? rented. They've decorated. You've never been to a nice house before? Yeah, I've been to a couple. Then? I want to see what the Rams are doing. <sighs> and again, I might need to get into Les's ear. He might need to get into me a little bit. We might need no, to have a little back and forth about some yeah, thoughts yeah. on some players available at 104. Probably not. Yep. Yes, perhaps. I expect that to be the case. Yeah, probably not. No. <laughs> yes, perhaps. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, coming up next. Radio Tinder, and then at 5.40, man, Clayton Kershaw can't catch a break. Oh, dude, this story just will not go away. It's unbelievable. I mean, mean, it is ridiculous. All right, we'll get to that after Radio Tinder. Radio Tinder in two minutes. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What what is it? What are they singing in that song? Small wonder. Uh, I believe Salil Moonfry was in that show. Oh really? I like her. Big fan of hers. But yeah, that that one's even might even be even worse than the uh, the other one. Than the... Well, that's what you get for acting a foo. I mean, just saying. I mean, that's, I'll that's find... what Chris said. He said you were okay. acting a foo. I don't consider it that, but hey. That's neither here nor there. Guess I'll have to do uh, some consultation with Morales about getting a, a permanent theme song there. Right. He's, Actually, he's no, pretty much going to do that. It was not Salil Moonfry. It was some other little girl. Sorry. Some other oh, okay. little Moonfry? No, it wasn't a Moonfry. It was just another little child actor. Gotcha. Or actress in this case. <laughs> you know, he's going he's gonna to keep doing it every day until you actually just go to him and say, this is the theme I want. Okay. That's fine. I mean, that is literally what's happening. He's actually right for once. I guess then I'll just turn around and be like, oh, I love this one. Let's keep it. See how that goes. Okay. Whatever you want. Reverse psychology. All right. So the New Orleans Pelicans have surprised NBA fans with their performance in the first round of the playoffs. And now it sounds like they could, could possibly get Zion Williamson back if they make it to round two. A potential Zion return would make things very interesting for both the Pelicans and whoever they would wind up playing between the Jazz and the Mavericks. Do you guys think that we're going to end up seeing Zion this postseason? Swipe left or swipe right, Sedano? No, I'm swiping left. I don't buy for one second that we're going to see Zion Williamson uh, play basketball this season. Now, he should be very motivated to play next season because that team is young and good, uh, and they added a really good veteran in C.J. McCollum, and I think more veterans will want to play there because beyond C.J. and Jonas Valanciunas, they got a really good young head coach that everyone seems to be very high on. In, in my interactions with him, he's been fantastic. So if Zion wants to play basketball, there is no excuses because the Pelicans will be pretty good next year. But the question is, do you expect to see Zion during these playoffs? And if you say that you assume that it won't be until the next round, you have to then again assume that the Pelicans are going to beat the Suns, which I still don't think they will. Mm-hmm. But even if Kendrick they did... Perkins picked them to win. 
I understand. But he, but let's just say they did. Let, let's say New Orleans beats Phoenix, okay? It would be a ridiculous upset, yes. It would. And, and listen, you know, Phoenix obviously lost Devin Booker, and that's a really big deal. But if, let's say, you get to the second round of the playoffs, do you really want Zion Williamson back right now? Or would he disrupt the chemistry that has been built by the guys that have gotten you to this point? That's my question. Well, he's he's already played like limited roles coming back in the previously, so it's not like they insert him and he's playing thirty minutes. That no, no, I realize anyway. that, but but check me on this. He hasn't played one game this year. He has only played eighty five games in his entire career. I understand. So, and in this season, he's played zero, right? Correct. So, so I just my thought is is I don't want to disrupt our team by bringing back an exceptional talent now. If this were four or five weeks ago, okay. But it just, unless I'm way off here, I mean, unless they go, no, you're an idiot. This guy's a great talent, and he can help us. Even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, we'll take what we can get. Yeah. You know, you uh, sound like you're the coming from the Kyrie Irving school of thought because Ky- Kyrie is all like, oh, yep, we need, uh, we need to gel. We need more time to gel. We didn't have time to gel. And, you know, Z- putting Zion in the mix, they're certainly not going to be able to gel quickly in the playoffs, so. Same. Well, but Kyrie's deal, that's just different. Why's that? Why's that? Because Jeff? he played. Different? Because okay. he played. Okay. It's not different? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Zion will see one minute. One second, even. Probably not, but it'd be cool if we did. Next one. So a DJ, an influencer, said that she was kicked off of a flight because her pants were offensive. DJ Soda said that she stood half naked in front of others after being harassed into taking off her black sweatpants with the words, well, it said F word and F word you printed all over her pants. She told her 4.3 million Instagram followers that she will now boycott American Airlines. Do you think that she should have been allowed to wear the pants with the F word printed all over them on a flight? Swipe left or swipe right, Cap? I'm going to swipe right and say that she can wear the pants. Um, I saw the pair of pants. You know, whatever. Like, I'm not reading the pants going, hey, 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 are you saying F you to me? Are you talking to me? Are your pants talking to me? Like, I wasn't offended by the pants. Uh, I am uh, I, 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 I'm not the person that's offended by this stuff. Um, we've had stories like this in the past. Uh, look, my buddy and former colleague here at ESPN, Jamel Hill, once had a shirt that was they made her put a sweater over on an airplane. She put it on social media. I think that that's not what an airplane's role is or an airline's role is, to be honest with you. Um, you know, like that. I think that's stupid. The whole the story is stupid. Like the air, airline, American Airlines should be doing any of that. American Airlines should be worried about not losing people's luggage. How about that? I agree Next. with you guys, but I will say, just to play devil's advocate, that their their whole stance is that they have a dre- like an onboard dress code policy that limits – you know, offensive, what, what what could be seen as offensive. And, I mean, let's be honest, like, that's considered, like, graphic, I guess, offensive, whatever, by today's terms. So, while I don't have a problem with it, I guess I can kind of see why American Airlines would, you know, they so could what technically they do? So say. So, she took her pants off? She took her they, pants they off her, on the plane? They made, I guess they made her change into other pants right then and there on the plane. Or right oh, there man. in the boarding area. Oh, which, man. that's terrible. That's terrible. Ooh, DJ Soda. I'm with Sedano. Stop losing people's luggage. Don't worry about this. They're yeah, seriously. Worry about not losing people's luggage. Worry about leaving, having your planes leave on time Ooh, and land that. on time. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, that, that, that's what, like that, 
you basically go on on a lot of these airlines, not just American, and you like have to bake in ninety minutes because you're expecting not to be on time anywhere. And by the way, if you could lower the prices, that would be helpful too. Oh, not anytime soon. Flights right yeah, now are no, like outrageous, no. yeah. crazy, yeah. ridiculous. All right, last one. So the day before the 2022 NFL draft begins, Texans left tackle Laramie Tunsil tweeted that he's moving past his big draft night incident by minting an NFT of his infamous gas mask video. So just before the draft in 2016, if you remember, a video of him smoking weed out of a gas mask was posted on his Twitter account. And Tunsil, who was then projected as the draft's top offensive tackle, slid down the draft board because this happened literally right before the draft. And he was eventually drafted by the Dolphins with the 13th pick. Quote, he, or Tunsil said, quote, man, it was a mistake. You know, it happened years ago. Like I said before, somebody hacked my Twitter account. He's trying to make a joke out of it and make an NFT with the proceeds going to charity. So would you guys be okay with having your worst public moment being forever immortalized as an NFT? Swipe left or swipe right, Sedano? Sure, why not? Let's go. Immortalize me. I'm going to join George on this side. I'm going to say, yeah, because you know why? Because I've got a sense of humor. This is where Jerry West has screwed up his entire thing, and that's another story for another time, but for real. Like, Jeremy Tunsil to me, this is smart and funny. I like it. I'm all in. So what's your what's your worst like public career on-air moment, Cap? Oh, man, there's been so many. <laughs> what's one, time one that I was, you get like, one, the most crap about? One, still well, I don't day. know if I get that much crap about it, but one time I was interviewing the former um, president of like the NFL Players Union, a gentleman by the name of Gene Upshaw. This is many years ago, and I'm not joking. I'm a young guy. I'm about 28-ish, and I forgot who I was talking to in the middle of the conversation. Now, he's sitting right in front of me, and I just couldn't remember his name. Uh, by the way i'm reading more on this dj soda story yeah tell me more i mean Lindsay, you said that she had to change right that's what you said that's what the story i read i mean i didn't take a super deep dive into it but the story said she was forced to change out of her pants in the boarding area no in like at the gate like half naked in front of everyone like that's not the way you do and she had offered to change in the bathroom and they told oh, her no on the that's plane. Terrible. Oh yeah. no, I would rather do no. that. Oh no, I'd much rather change in public in front of, of everybody. She said, "Okay, fine. Then let me just go on in the bathroom in the plane and do it." And nah. they were like, "No, no, nah, do it out and here." And then somebody remarked that she should have. Oh, you should have just changed the pants before you got on the plane. So she was mortified because they were delayed an hour, and you know it's a six-hour flight from New York to uh, American Airlines. It's a terrible job out of you, dude. Yeah, I mean, Ridiculous. but on the other hand, maybe maybe she ought to consider just maybe. And I'm listen. I've been on the side of of it's fine. I don't really. I'm not bothered by the pants. But maybe she ought to possibly consider that. You know what? Some people might actually get offended by it. I mean, come on, man. Grow the really? bleep up. It's just yeah, some words. Well, I Sorry. agree with you that it's dumb. it's dumb. But but still, I mean, you know, like, would you guys ever wear a okay, T-shirt so that says "F you"? But, but what's more? What's more offensive? Make so, somebody has the F word on their pants. Or making a, a grown woman change in front of everyone in uh, in in front of the gate. Lawyer, she girlfriend, felt, lawyer. She, she, she probably felt so bad that like the plane was delayed. I mean, when I was on my Jesus. way to Orlando, they delayed the flight like a half hour because this guy, while we the door was closed and we were pulling back from the the gate, this mm-hmm. guy wouldn't stop vaping. 
And they were like, they <laughs> on kept the plane? Yes, over the loudspeaker, they kept saying, there is no vaping. They said it three oh. times, and the guy wouldn't stop vaping, so they had to they had to stop, and they had to pull back up to the gate, take the guy off the plane, because he wouldn't stop, and then he put up this big fight. It was like, come on, what's wrong with people? That's that's pretty that's pretty amazing. Yeah, like you can't not vape for like that a you hours. that really like wait uh, no no the rules are you can't vape but not to me I can vape. That's amazing. Some people the gall on some people. All right, let's go. What's next? Oh well, that's it for Radio Tinder for today. All right, each and every day at five thirty. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, coming up next, Clayton Kershaw just can't catch a break. We'll talk about that in two minutes. <laughs> oh, hey, thanks, Christopher. It's terrific. <laughs> this is a long-distance dedication right here on America's Top 40. I'm Casey Kasem. Dude, back in those days, George, I would wake up, I want to say it was a Sunday morning, and I would listen to literally the entire Top 40. Was it Sunday morning or Saturday morning? I don't remember America's exactly. I mean, it was on a weekend, but I would listen to the yeah. whole thing. It was such a big deal. I wasn't turning on the TV. I wasn't watching cartoons. I wasn't out playing ball. I wanted to listen to Casey Kasem and the American Top 40. I wanted to hear the long-distance dedication. And as we were counting them down, I couldn't wait to hear who was going to be number one that week. That was when... I mean, radio was in a whole different world back then. There wasn't as much cable TV, and then there wasn't the explosion of streaming services. There was no Internet. Nobody had cell phones. I mean, we really, we had television, three channels, and we had radio. And Casey Kasem was a big part of it. Wait a minute. You cared that much about Casey Kasem, yet you had no idea who Morales was talking about in our group text this morning when he said, it's Casey's birthday, I can't wait to hear Sedano's impression about him. Yeah, when I saw that text this morning, I was like, Casey who? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. How did you not know who it was when you just went on that whole thing about how he was, like, you could not wait to listen every day? If he was that important to you, then how did you not know that's who we were talking about? Because it didn't about? occur to me this morning. Yeah, Kev, yeah. I'm really disappointed in you. It just didn't occur to me. <laughs> it, it just did not occur to me. And you, typical cancel culture personality, are like, oh, Cap, it's so obvious. Like, it's like, Lindsay, no, it wasn't. Wait a what does that have to Whoa. do with cancel That's culture? That's right, you're trying to cancel. You're trying to cancel. That's right. You're that what, guy. What are you talking you're about? You're that guy. Trying to cancel. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Listen, it just didn't occur to me. That's all. I mean, knowing, knowing morale. Uh, you're backpedaling. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Relax, Tiger. Relax. Well, that's why I got out of the group chat. I'm like, I'm not wasting my time this morning with this nonsense. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm making coffee. And I'm like, Casey, who? Because, like, you know, a lot of times... Chris will make references to the old morning show, and then I'm like, okay, I'm willing to ask because I don't know. Tell me. I and feel so I you, thought, Cap. I, I thought you on that. Yeah, I thought it was like maybe. It was oh, look like at that, Laura agreed with you. Are you okay with that? Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Because I appreciate I, that. I didn't know the morning show like that, so a lot of times they make reference, or Morales will come in here, or Brionas, and be like, "You should know that." No, I didn't work here. I don't know that, so I get you. Yeah, so like, like I just thought when he said Casey, I just thought it was but like Casey, some reference I didn't know. I didn't. Keep, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. And keep reaching for the <laughs> I didn't know that was a morning show reference at all. I just well, it may not Chris have been. Morales, Mr. Radio Guy. I don't know a single other famous Casey, and Morales being the radio guy that he is, Stingle. I can't think of anybody else. That That's who I was thinking. I was thinking Casey. Stingle, you were not exactly one hundred percent. I was. That's Stop precisely that. who I was talking about. I bet you you thought Casey was Chris's uh, not girlfriend. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. That's Lisa. Oh. Yeah, Lindsay, it just didn't pop into my head so quickly. I'm sorry I'm not as fast as you are. Well, wow. like right at like instant criticism. Like again, no, it goes back. No. It goes right back to the guy who dipped the hot dog in the beer. I didn't oh, criticize that's nasty. you. I just said I. I just said she was I asking it was you kind a question. No brainer. Yeah. No, I yeah. hear the tone. I hear the tonality. Oh, oh, there's no tone in text messages. Stop. Right, I hear yes. that nasty yes. tonality yes. towards me. Yes. It's not the first time that Chris we, Morales has referenced Casey Kasem and impression. We so really just saying. we did that like not too long ago. That's the, that's yes, why I knew exactly. I've told the story about how uh, Casey walked into me in the, with me in the bathroom at uh, the the <laughs> premiere building, and uh, he just said that like Sepulveda three weeks ago. Sure yeah. well, it just didn't yeah. occur to me right away. I hadn't had any coffee also, yet. Cut me a break, girl. Or you hadn't smoked your sativa. Yet. <laughs> no, that's later. But I'm trying to cancel you because you are. Okay. You're a cancel culturer. You're right. Okay. Don't cancel me over Cap, Casey. Cap, if you don't want the text messaging early, just mute oh it. I don't you know, know how to do Cap, that. Oh Cap, God. you should be on a telenovela. Like you should be on Amor Eterno. On Dos Caminos. Un, what was it? I mean, my God. <laughs> you don't think I should be on Chicas Caliente? No, because no. you're, you're, you're well, you're neither. So there's that. <laughs> well, that's my favorite. You're not one. a chica, nor are you caliente. So disagree on the second part. Yeah. Just saying, for somebody who has has as much love and affinity for Casey Kasem as you just explained. Well, I was a I kid. Think, okay, I, right. Lindsay, so I was I'm a just, kid. I was 13 years old. Blondie was going to be finish? number one, you know? Will you let me finish? Hey, here's I'm, Blondie. Uh, uh, call me. If you loved him that much, I think you would have got the reference. That's all. Well, yeah. guess what? I loved him that much, and I didn't get the reference. How about that? There you all go. Right. All right. You don't get most Let's... of them, so it's, I get it. Right. So then why you, why why the cancel culture comment? What is it? Cancel culture? I don't know. What are you she's talking canceling. about? She's a canceler. Why are you? No, she's not. Like, why are you using she, such a ridiculous? She, she's a text your, bully. That was your comment. That was your comment, Cap. Mm. You. I mean, she was not doing that. We were just. She, I didn't even. Honestly, I didn't even see it until hours later. So I. I. I, I was busy um, <laughs> dealing with COVID. That's why. Uh, I, but that's why I didn't even respond. It. I was like, you know what? I'm out on this. And then I said something, and Chris was like, "That is like very John Ireland passive aggressive commentary." Oh wait, well, he, he, I, I don't even remember what I said. This is what if the, the text forehead said. fits. Uh, Morales said, today is Casey's birthday. Better get that impersonation ready, Sedano. And you said, okay, I will ask. Dot, 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 Casey, question mark. And I said, come on, Cap. <laughs> and Morales wrote, please stop talking. <laughs> and then he played the, or he put the link to the, 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 the death dedication thing. And then you said, was it that obvious? And I said, yes, 100%. Oh my God! The greatest tweet in the world just came in from I love Eric Herrera. I you, you this man listens to the show every day and every moment, and I love every second of it because he tweets more as as well as anyone about this show. And he just wrote at Sedano. Imagine at, at Scott Kaplan going down the Soul Train line because we were talking about Casey Kasem and music shows. So Kaplan would totally you you would be hilarious trying to be on Soul Train. But Casey Kasem on Soul Train, what does he have to do with Soul Train? No, man, he's talking to... Oh, jeez. You see? You see how sometimes <laughs> I just don't get it? <laughs> oh, jeez. Casey Kasem was America's Top 40 is a TV show. Soul Train was a music TV show. He's just he's just saying, like, you know, you love that show. Imagine you on if you, if you were into Soul Train. Dude, I think I was probably more suited for... What was the name of the show? Are you okay today? Yeah, I'm good. Really good. Um... You forgot your pixie dust, bro. That's what happened. You had a lot more pixie dust. You had a lot more pixie dust yesterday. No, I think I had some protein powder yesterday. I think that's what happened. I don't know what was in there, but you know, (laughs) what's your daughter putting in that protein shake? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
edible yeah. protein smoothies? Perhaps. Yeah. I don't know what she put in. I didn't watch her make it. Anyway, speaking of edibles and insane, um, do we have sound of this, Lindsay, of this Clayton Kershaw take? Uh, we don't have sound of it. Oh. But I can read it to you, read you the quote. Can you do it in character? Yeah, if you How, could do it like Chris Russo, that would be great. Yeah, do you have the his, quote? I'll do it if you want. I can okay, do it. I mean, you doing it as Chris Russo would actually be funnier than me doing it. Do you know who Chris Russo is? Yeah, Mad Dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have a good So Mad Chris Dog Russo is this cartoonish, cartoonish sports radio character who's been hosting shows in New York forever. He's on Sirius. He's been around forever. He's, he's a in the business, but he's cartoonish. He's a crazy person. And I say that in an endearing way because he's cartoonish. Uh, is again, I, I can't reiterate how how cartoonish he is. Well, credit to Stephen so A. Smith for taking advantage of that cartoonishness and putting him on first take because those two together are hilarious. Correct. It's very funny. So he was asked about Walker Bueller, right? Originally about Walker Bueller telling uh, Dave Roberts, "I'm not coming out of the game" or whatever when he threw the complete game uh, no hitter the other day. A complete game and shutout. His first one of shutout, his career. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right, because he's had complete games. His third complete game of his career, but his first complete game shutout. So, apparently, Russo used that as an opportunity to bash Kershaw. So, go ahead. <laughs> do it in – do it – I don't even understand how you make those steps. I mean, you were talking about Soul Train a second ago from Casey Kasem. I don't know how you get there. Uh, but, Lindsay, go ahead. Do it in your best Chris Russo impersonation. Wait, get, Cap, can you give me – you know how somebody asks for, like, a note when they're playing something on the piano – Give me, like, somewhere to start, like, as far as Mad Dog. Give me a scene, uh, like a bouncing scene. Let me tell you something, Lindsay. This is how you do it with Chris Russo. This is okay. good, George. This is this is maybe yeah, your this best. this is good. This is good. We might have to I have, mean, like, if you, you want to you go, if you want to give me the quote, I'll read it. Give in it to him. Give it to him. I'll do it. And then, okay, he says, yeah, the, idea, the, the idea that Dave Roberts is the guy that takes the hit for Kershaw is a bunch of nonsense. Because if Kershaw told Dave Roberts... I got a perfect game. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm not going to be around forever. There's 20-something in the history of the sport. I want the ball. He didn't even stop Bueller from going out there to pitch the ninth inning. All right, George, here you go. Ready? Yeah, do it. All right, Stevie, let me tell you something, okay? The idea that Dave Roberts is the guy that takes the hit for Kershaw is a bunch of nonsense. Because if Kershaw told Dave Roberts, I got a perfect game. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm not going to be around forever. There's 20-something in the history of the sport. I want the ball. He didn't even stop Bueller from going out there to pitch the ninth inning. (laughs) This is good, George. Very good. Remember, you know, when you say Roberts, you got to call him like Roberts. Roberts, which is good. Really, Bueller. Very good, George. That's good. That's a good impression. Bueller. Yeah. I like that. But you know what it is? It's one of these things where the fact that Bueller told Roberts, I'm not coming out, and Dave said, okay, go back out. It gave people ammunition to say, now it wasn't Roberts who took Kershaw out. It was Kershaw who volunteered to come out, and that just perpetuates the story. And check me on this, guys, but isn't that like two weeks old? Like the Kershaw perfect game through seven was at least two weeks ago. But the reason he brought it up today was because of Bueller yesterday. Right. I understand. So that's why he was he was trying to make the comparison. Well, you know, I get it. I think that there's a, I don't know. Come I, on, I Stevie. He got one opportunity to do it. There's only been 13 in the history of the sport. And Dave Roberts is out there telling Clayton Kershaw, you got your opportunity and Kershaw didn't want it. 
<laughs> George, that kills your Casey Kasem impression. See, it worked out better that we didn't have the sound, right? Keep reaching for the stars there, Cap. I'm going to uh, tell you right I, now, no more audio. From now on, we have to do it in character. I mean, that's fine with me. Give me a headache, though, doing that. Um, and I scream <laughs> a lot. Uh, so anyway, I, I just, I mean, listen, Mad Dog, I love you, but you're an insane person. Like, stop. We're not blaming Clayton Kershaw, who's had a history of injuries for the last five years. They need Clayton Kershaw to win the World Series. They need the World Series! That's what they need! Don't be so dopey! All right. Stevie. Stevie! Coming up next, <laughs> the Lakers coaching search has taken a ridiculous turn. We'll get to that in just a moment. Stick around, plus what you need to know. We're back in two minutes.